A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hello and welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. Whilst we're all in lockdown, I think it's fair to say that both of us are watching a ton of Netflix, although... Uh, James keeps changing his passwords. And also, Dan, did you notice the other day I changed your settings so that you were on a child's profile? (laughs) Good one. Did you enjoy My Little Pony, Dan? Anyway, both of us are obsessed with Circus of Books, directed by our guest today, Rachel Mason. If you haven't seen it, no spoilers, no spoilers. It's a documentary about a hardcore gay pornography store in LA run by Barry and Karen Mason. They're hilarious. And their daughter, Rachel, made this documentary about them. And amazingly, Rachel is on the show this week. We should say this episode is very spoiler heavy. If you haven't seen it, this is your official spoiler alert. Also, before we press play, we should give a mention to PFLAG, parents and friends of lesbians and gays, and the amazing work that they do in the US. Check them out, pflag.org. And over here in the UK, please do have a look at FFLAG, families and friends of lesbians and gays. Right, here's Rachel Mason. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. At what point did you realize um, your parents were running a hardcore gay porn business? Well, so of course, when I was in high school, I banded up with all of the cool kids, my dear friends to this day, who um, were just all in the LGBT spectrum and um, myself included. You know, I don't get into it too much, but just my whole world, as Josh, my brother says, my whole world was gay. And I just was a part of the counterculture. You know, I do think we have this sort of really deep embedded kind of like rough around the edges counterculture. And that's actually my favorite thing about, you know, looking at the gay historical record was it was outlaws. Those were kind of mavericks. And, you know, the people that were waving their freak flags were the scene of people that I was a part of. And um, they all loved the store. And that was kind of my awakening to the fact that my parents were doing something way cooler than I could have ever imagined. And, you know, my friends grew up, I, I went to high school in the Valley, which actually was like an hour bus ride from Hollywood. So my friends were from the Valley and they would make a special trip on the weekends to go to Circus of Books. And that's sort of when it was like, wow, really? You're coming all the way? And they were like, well, yeah, that's where the nightlife is. So we all had fake IDs because in the US you need to be 21 to go into a bar. You know, it was like this fun thing that they would make Circus of Books part of, you know, a destination on the fun gay prowling that we were not supposed to be doing as teenagers. But, you know, I definitely stopped in there with my friends in high school and um it was like a special treat <laughs> to be able to be like the owner's daughter is here no and i loved all of the uh employees so i kind of was part of the culture a little how did they keep this whole thing a secret from you and when when did you find out when did it click or was it more of a gradual process part of the reason or part of the way they kept it a secret was by being really boring not interesting people you know, I grew up in Hollywood. So I had friends whose parents were really cool and really interesting and like rock stars. And those were not my parents. My parents were boring and tedious and, you know, showed up at home with a pile of invoices that they had to go through and receipts. And my mom's paying all the bills and really it was not glamorous. And then I would go to the store and I, you know, occasionally would see and talk to these clerks. And, and the one piece of the puzzle that was, you know, my glimpse into what was their exciting world was that the clerks were just such funny, awesome people. 
just like Alaska, literally Alaska was the exact kind of guy that was working there. These were people who were, you know, looking for their big break in showbiz. They were gay. My parents also hired trans people, but they were really cool people. And um, I don't know how they kept it a secret, except that, you know, they just didn't make a big deal out of it. It was one of those things where um, the store had an over 18 section. And I just assumed every store had an over 18 section. You don't sort of know that you're living a weird reality as a kid until someone tells you about it later or you realize it later. You just mentioned Alaska and I screamed when they came on screen. How were they? Alaska is so great, but you know, it's funny. Like I only realized that Alaska was a clerk maybe three years ago before Alaska was Alaska, maybe even four. They were just starting out, um, I think having their big moment And um, I was starting documenting the film and my mom was walking into a thrift store. Alaska, a.k.a. Justin, is walking out and my mom goes, oh, hi, Justin. And Justin's like, hi, Karen. How are you? And my mom is like, I'm good. And how are you? And then they had this very weird little back and forth. And then as my mom is walking away, my mom's like, you know, Justin dresses in ladies clothing. And when he gets dressed up, you can't even believe it. He dresses better than me. You know, the reason I had to fire him was because he left without clocking out one day and just didn't show up because he went to the thing in the desert called Burning Man. And the next thing I know, you know, he was trying to file an unemployment claim and I had to go to the court and I was like, what? She's like, yeah. And the judge is listening to him explain that, you know, he was in the desert. And then the judge was like, well, why would you be in the desert for two weeks without any food or water? And and my mom was like, what is Burning Man? (laughs) (laughs) That took so many turns. A gay and a non-gay. It's so funny because I spent most of the film thinking how similar your parents are to mine. And I spent the whole thing wondering, is it feasible that my parents could have been running a gay porn empire? (laughs) You just wouldn't know about it. No, and I think, you know, when I was working on the sizzle, just to try to get some financing for the film, um, you create like a sizzle and you send it out. And I I was talking to this guy. He was like, wow, your parents, I can't believe this couple runs a gay porn empire. And I was like, well, what about your parents? And he's like, well, you know, they're not that interesting. He was Hispanic, um, I think Mexican descent. And he's like, my mom works at a craft food factory, but my dad actually, he kind of like did some drug running for the cartel, you know, and then spent like five years in jail. And, you know, I think my mom worked for him too. And I was like, see, I do think it the breaking bad stories of the world are, are not as uncommon as you might think. Since I made the film and put it out, I've gotten emails from other quote unquote porn kids. Although I use that word, <laughs> my mom was so upset. She's like, you're not a porn kid. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's so funny because I've met other kids now, they're grownups who are like, wow, my parents were also in the business and, you know, they kept it from us. And I felt like I was watching your movie, watching it. And they'll name drop these people that I've heard of, you know, through my parents. And they're like, you know, my dad actually served jail time, but we didn't know that that's what was happening and this person and that person. And also like, you know, Jeff Stryker has kids. Uh, Larry Flint has three kids and they work for him. So people <laughs> in the industry have kids. You know, it's, it's a question, I think, of how much they keep it a secret. But, you know, it's something that we see more and more um, as it becomes not as culturally taboo. So your brother Josh is gay and he comes out and your mum She doesn't react well at all. Well, yeah. And I think that's the really important hypocrisy that I wanted to point out. I think I spent quite a number of years being like, 
just outraged by her pissed off and like in my own in my own personal rebellion um against her because she was such a hard ass to say nothing of you know her reaction to josh i just had my own rebellion because she was so um she had all these unrealistic expectations of all of us but you know i realized in making this film that that was like kind of the crux of the conflict and that also that that's where her greatest redemption lied and and also what she has the most to teach the world is that even somebody like a woman who runs a gay porn empire can still be you know completely deeply homophobic however i will say i don't believe my mom actually was homophobic in the sense of you know this is where the contradiction lies she was there for these people who died left and right of aids and were just in a horrible state throughout the 80s and 90s where their parents were abandoning them and my mom and dad stepped in and said this is not okay we will give you jobs we'll treat you with dignity and so i think she had a feeling of what it was she wanted for her kids that suddenly was shattered and i think that happened for all of us in different ways you know i even think me as an artist you know i <laughs> just the other day my lover uh his name you might know buck angel he's well known actually in the gay and trans community um but he was like well, would you rather rachel be a hedge fund manager and my mom was like actually that would have been a great job <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like my mom wanted me to have a life that was more stable myself. And I think she wanted Josh to be the perfect in her idea of perfection is, you know, the perfect child would grow up and find a beautiful wife and have kids and make sure they're all Jewish, of course, you know, and this idea of like her vision of perfection was sort of shattered because Josh was the perfect child. And, you know, I was not the perfect child. I was the rebel. And so being queer actually didn't really even register, I don't think, because it was so like, all right, well, yet another thing you're not going to do that I want. Whereas Josh was always doing everything right. And I think part of the heartbreak for me in just being that I'm his older sister and I love him dearly was recognizing that uh, he was struggling so much with being perfect because I think deep down, like that's who he is. He's a perfectionist. He's a guy who actually just, you know, he's an engineer. He wants a normal, regular life. And I think he is someone that doesn't particularly have any interest in rebelling hardcore against the norms of our culture. Like I do, it's not the essence of who he is. And so I think to see, um, reflected in our culture, actually, the the normality of someone like Josh, who's simply a gay man. And, you know, it also points to the fact that the Mavericks who represent the fringier aspects, the more Alaska aspects of gay culture are the ones that we often see as like the big caricatures of what it means to be gay. And you, um, you're struck with that. If you're a kid who comes from a very religious family who might be looking at all those symbols of like, well, gay equals crazy and gay equals rebel and drag queen and, and hysterical. And you can actually say, well, no, you know, it's really important to see the Pete booty judges, you know, um, I don't know if you followed his campaign, but like, Mm about a normal slash perfect guy you know that's what has not been represented as much as the other side of things so i think i had a very long tangential answer to your question but i think my mom's (laughs) image of gayness connected back to the store i came home a number of times from college expecting to come out and it didn't happen i put a lot of pressure on myself to kind of make it happen i made sure i had my flight booked and paid for because it wasn't a 
an impossible thought that, um, you know, I was going to get thrown out. So as I'm watching this film, I'm thinking, what's Josh's problem? Because obviously they're going to be absolutely fine with him coming out. I just thought, oh, he must be just, you know, over worrying about this. Because if there's two people who, you know, I would think would be absolutely fine with their children being gay, it would be the people running this gay porn shop. But that wasn't the case at all. So it just goes to show again that you never really know. I love that you are now understanding what it's like when... Gay people, queer people have to come out. <laughs> but do you, do you not think that, James? Obviously, they're going to be fine because they run a gay porn shop. No, not really, because to me, it, it isn't so obvious. Like I know what it's like coming out, but the last person you'd expect to have a problem with it might have a problem with it. So I was sort of with Josh, actually. I think also there's something to be said for a female experience versus a male experience here too, because, you know, I had this really big difference. Like I sort of never came out. I, I took a girl to prom and we were both wearing matching dresses. And I like basically did things in front of my parents where it would just be like, fuck you. I don't care about rules. And, you know, I'm not even going to, you know, say that I'm bisexual. I'm just obviously a weirdo. My friends are weird. And, you know, in some ways they could look at me as being going through a phase. And even my mom said that she's like, like we just figured you were going through a phase. And I have heard that a lot with um, women, you know, that there's this sense of like, well, obviously you're just being crazy or you can be like this or like that. But I think with men specifically, the Bible says, if you're a biblical person, it literally says thou shalt not lie down with another man. And I've met people that are evangelical and very Christian. And I think my mom's homophobia on the deep level was totally tied to the Bible because the words out of her mouth were, I knew God would punish me. And in a strange way, I just can't imagine her of ever saying that about me. But, you know, I had those two things going for me in that I was not your traditional kid anyway. But secondly, with Josh and being a boy, my mom saw the AIDS epidemic wipe out a group of young men that looked exactly like Josh. And I think when you're a man in the you know 90s or 2000s, the AIDS epidemic is very fresh in people's minds. And I think there's a piece of you, whether or not, you know, maybe this is giving her too much credit, but the redeeming possibility is that, you know, she connected the dots to gay and getting sick. Because why wouldn't you, you know, if Josh is a gay man, the very first thought you have is like, you need to have safe sex. Oh my God. Like we just saw hundreds of people die. And truly that's, I think, part of the equation there. I'm so emotional listening to that because all of that is me. And and I was saying the other day on our podcast that my mom's first question when I came out was, are you going to die? And the hangover of the AIDS epidemic continues even now. You know, they died at their height of their creativity, the height of their beauty, the height of their everything. And many of them just died alone without any family around. And, um, you know, the stories that have been coming out are, are really profound for me as an adult. But as a kid, I just, you know, had that feeling of like, oh, well, I guess I won't see that guy anymore. He was really cool. You know, I had to sort of go back in my mind as an adult and recognize that my friends who are, you know, in their 50s now and 60s, tell me, you know, imagine just actually losing all of your friends, like having them be wiped out. And, you know, I do have to say that that's one of those things too, though, hearing your mom say that to you, it's actually a really positive thing. Obviously, your mom is just coming from a place of love. But I think that that's something 
that is very male focused. If I, as a female were like, okay, guys, I'm gay. It wouldn't be like, okay, well you better wear condoms and never touch anybody because you could get AIDS. Like that's not something that tied to the female experience of, um, being queer. So I think there was a particular burden on men. And I saw that with my brother also because he was totally aware of how much, you know, suffering was happening all around the store. So I think all kinds of kids, you know, in their thirties and forties now were very wounded by that in some way if they were gay men. Um, and I think gay women had a totally different experience, but you know, not, not any less, uh, hard, but just really that specific experience of wondering if you would die of AIDS really, um, connects strongly to the gay male experience. And I think this film centers around gay men very specifically. Your parents are incredible. You know, they went out of their way to help those people, people who were suffering from AIDS. They were there for them when I guess nobody else was, even their own families. One of the things that I have to say was my parents' most brave things was when I got older, I recognized and I said to my mom, I was like, how did you know in the 80s that you could be surrounded by people with AIDS and not get it? And that was kind of brave of you because society was like shunning these people at that moment. If you had AIDS, you were confined to your house and you were like, okay, time for you to go away now. Nobody wants to touch you. You're scary and sick. And my parents were letting them work in the store. And my mom said, well, I I could see that we would shake their hands and not get sick. And I could see that they were you know, in the store and all around people and we're not getting sick. So of course I hired them. And I just thought in some ways that was really incredible bravery because, um, she truly let these people work and, and paid them in cash when they said that they needed a job. And if they were getting paid legitimately and their government taxes were coming out, they would lose their health benefits. So my mom said, okay, well, you know, I know that you're a good guy and this job means a lot to you. So she would pay them in cash. And I think that was a really amazing act of heroism and bravery because those were people that were actually shunned by society. It's so amazing hearing about your mom, Karen, touching and embracing these people. Like, I'm joking, but she she's kind of like the Princess Diana of the porn industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think in a way it's really interesting because I think you know, I think on the one hand, that was also partially what might have led to her feeling so devastated when Josh came out. She saw that these men went through hell. The direct contact she had was that these guys were so ostracized and, and that life was so hard. I remember Barry visiting an employee who was in bed. We would call the parents and say, hey, your son is sick. You know, don't you want to come and a lot of them would just say, nope, I don't, I, I, I kicked him out. I don't want to, I never want to see the guy again. I say, but he's your son. I was just so, so surprised that the parents could be so bad to their children. So how are your parents now? What are they doing with their time without Circus of Books? Well, you know, they're really big activists in PFLAG. I just think the most important thing is for parents like my mom, who are not like, you know, radical or gay or anything, just they are very much, you know, parents that struggled with it to be the ones that help other parents. And, you know, it's one thing if I say, hey, you know, what is wrong with you? You can't, you know, embrace your gay kid. That's much different than somebody who 
you know, can directly talk to somebody who also looks at the Bible in the same way and says, well, actually you can reinterpret this differently. And I struggled in the same way. And I have that same idea. So that's really, to me, the best use of their time (laughs) and their notoriety is exactly what they're doing. Um, but they also have, it's funny enough, you know, my parents are always like so edgy in business. Now the businesses that they're kind of getting involved in are the marijuana business because one of the buildings, so they own the two circus of bookstores and one of them became a marijuana dispensary. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something that they've been involved in a little bit. And, uh, you know, they're kind of never afraid to, just be on the fringes of industries. And I think that's part of what has made them successful. I've spent the last 20 years helping other people understand and accept the gender variations in their children. And there are a lot of gender variations. And they're all okay. And I hope you put that in this movie. Booming our pod. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends on your socials tagging at gay non gay and support a gay and a non gay at gaynongay.com slash donate.